0: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at burrowcom ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrowcom ACAST.
1: Coming up on the Thursday, May 25th edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, we got the full ride with Matt Green, Philly University of North Georgia alumni. Matt Green, uh, we talk Little Georgia, Jane Riddell uh, winds up at Georgia over Tennessee. We talk about um, a fun CFB green line side of the week. And then we also talk about uh, Georgia, Florida staying in Jacksonville for at least a couple more years, Michigan, Penn State moving to a neutral site to close this fall. And then uh, some week one SEC betting lines that are already out, some pretty surprising ones um, that we parse through. And then also the Big Ten. Yeah big 10 over unders those are out as well so we dive into our early uh early thoughts on how the big 10 is going to shake out whether it's ohio state wisconsin iowa michigan state penn state we talk all about it next here on today's show so as always thank you for listening and if you're a first time listener uh make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player so you never miss a future episode and by future episode i mean daily so tomorrow you'll have another one and it's gonna be jam-packed just as a heads up um also uh make sure you subscribe if you're uh a fan of YouTube and go to youtube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe. Did I just say if you're a fan of YouTube? Didn't know what to say there, but we'll move past it. YouTube.com slash chase thomas podcast like and subscribe as we get closer and closer to hitting that uh, 1000 subscriber mark. So make sure to take care of that today. If you're already a subscriber uh, to this very program, first, thank you and also. Make sure that you take a second, hit that pause button right now, and leave this show a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is how you are listening to today's show. As always, you can email this very program if you'd like Matt or myself to answer a college football question on next week's show. We'd be happy to do so. Um, all you have to do is email us at chasetomuspodcast at gmail.com or tweet at me uh, at chase double underscore thomas or the podcast Twitter feed at pod Chase Thomas. There you go. Um, that's about it. So enjoy the show. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, My and- nephew needs me to record.
0: See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it.
1: All right, hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live. From Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. I don't even have to say it tongue-in-cheek anymore. It was decided by USA Today uh, just this uh, just this afternoon that I sent over to Matt Green on Instagram. I don't know if he's seen it yet, but no, I have not um, seen that. if you want to check your messages real quick, Matt Green, uh, right, it was that confirmed out. that uh, Tennessee was the Everything Sport School this year. Um, well if
2: USA Today says it, then I mean I don't I guess it's I guess it's decided.
1: It says here you saw it, Matt Green. It says All Sports Champion going back to back and it says you saw it. It it says you saw it. I think you're I think you're hiding I
2: had the message pulled up. I hadn't actually read it. But um yeah, I just uh All sports champion. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that i see no i see no qualifications no data i need the data i need the hard facts
1: you know what it says everything school hq is alive and well that voice you hear uh when it's not my own is my good friend philly university of north georgia alumni matt green down there in Decatur, georgia matt good evening sir how are you
2: Good evening, sir. It is good to be back. I hope uh I hope you're doing well. I think uh it sounds like you're gonna avoid an IL stint. Um, you know, I think everything's looking looking good, hopefully. But yeah, man, it's good to be back here talking talking football. Braves got a dub, didn't get swept by the Dodgers.
1: So it was yeah, good. It was good. It, it a lot has unfolded. Like I did my old man thing. I was talking to John um from the email we pod about it earlier, where it was just a fluke, like weird step and I like I, it just it took s- four or five months to get right, and uh, I just did not want to go through that all over again, uh, especially right back to back. So, uh, getting uh, told today from the radiologist that I did not have a break in the same spot that I broke three or I guess seven months ago now, uh, but I've been kind of done with PT for the last three months is uh, a breath of fresh air because uh, it was welcome very much welcome news because that was weighing on me quite heavily of where things stood on that front. So getting that news tonight was quite good.
2: Well we're happy to hear it, man. But uh how how do we get, how are we getting started? I got some I, I got some stats this week.
1: I think we have to start with your green line stat of the week because I didn't know that this would ever make an appearance on the off season edition of these very shows, sir, because I mean when you think stats, you think regular season, you think uh, with actual games going on, so I I have no idea where you're going with this. So I'm intrigued because all I know, folks, on the on our uh our super secret Google Doc here, um, that outlines each and every show on here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. I don't know. It just says two stats, and I don't I don't know where we're gonna go with this. So what okay. what do you have, Matt? Uh,
2: the first number we got is three, mm-hmm. and uh, that number three is the number of commitments that the University of Georgia has gotten since May 15th when Dylan Riola, the number one player in the country, committed. And this is what I was trying to tell you, sir. I'm not going to make this a Dylan Riola podcast for the next, you know, 365 days. But you've already seen how Georgia is now buzzing on the recruiting trail since Riola committed. And that's the effect that he's really going to have. Even if he never plays it down at Georgia, I, I listened in to some of your and Graham Coffee's conversation, friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he never plays it down at Georgia, he'll still be, I think, responsible for getting a lot of good players to hop on board. And, and the first two were, uh, you know, some three-star commits, a tight end and, a, and an offensive lineman, huge offensive lineman out of New York, like 6'8", mm-hmm. three, 330 or something. But um, we've seen what, Kirby Smart's success has been with three stars. So the the Jordan Davises of the world and and Javon Bullards of the world, you've seen so many of those guys become really good players for Georgia. But more importantly, I just you, you're hearing a buzz with so many of the big time prospects. In this one, Jaden Ridd Rindell Ridell. Riddell. R- Riddell, Riddell uh, I think some have like as the number one, number two tight end in the country, um, out of Missouri. So it's like I know Tennessee was was real high on him. He was they were down to one of his final teams, but I mean he's a top fifty recruit. I think on three's got him as like the twenty second ranked player, just a big time offensive skill player that without a doubt was influenced by you'd have to think was influenced by the number one player in the country signing on to the to the Georgia Bulldogs. Like obviously I mean, Georgia's cool, doing a lot but the
1: reporting on that has been like I mean I think tight ends a little bit different because like you can easily it's just one of those narrative things you can spin the narrative of like it's a rayola effect but it's also just there's not a better program for top of the line tight ends than the university of georgia right now darnell goes in the draft brock bowers is being mocked for top five like um graham and i were talking about this new kid y'all just have this alliteration uh fascination now uh lucky lawson or whatever lawson lucky yeah that guy um, a legacy like, at the University of Georgia. Yeah, and then you got Oscar Delp, obviously. So I don't. I think people are going to neatly combine that to a Rayola effect, but I I would lend that more to Georgia's the best tight end NFL factory right now in the country. So the best tight end picking the University of Georgia is might just be that's that it might no, just that's be that def- simple.
2: That's definitely true. And Todd Hartley has been as good as it gets as far as recruiting. To a certain position, like him and Brian Hartline, have to be up mm. there. Is like just getting the elite of elite players every single year. But I think I think part of the Riola effect is like this buzz it's creating with just so many big time prospects. Like you you saw um, it was KJ Bolden out of Buford say mm. yeah like this really kind of changed the way I looked at Georgia now. So you kind of hear that and you're like you know what. I got an offer from Georgia. Maybe I should go ahead and jump on board before there's no spots left. Like, they already have like 16 commits in Well,
1: in remember, they not don't, even have, a, you don't Georgia have a limit anymore. Isn't
2: that, you, you don't have to saying? do
1: 25 anymore. Like, you can kick guys out, and like, that number of can course. be 57 now. And, but it is, yeah.
2: there is some sort of limit. You know, you don't know if it's like it's not an NCAA limit, but it's a how many Georgia needs kind of thing. Mm. Like, you don't, they might be 24, it might be 28, it might be 30. You yeah. don't really know, but you're like, I mean, if everyone wants to go here, I want to get my spot, you know? Mm-hmm. So with how many five-star recruits, like obviously, or uh, receivers, I mean, um, obviously those guys have all the options in the world. And, and Jeremiah Smith is still committed to Ohio State, even though there's a lot of buzz around Georgia. But with how many guys are out there and, and kind of, you know, looking at Georgia, you, you might think, I want to go ahead and get a spot while well, I still can
1: I also just think it's like an easy thing. Austin Price from the pod here at Fall Quest made a good point where it's like it's an easy thing to recruit against uh, if you're going up against uh, Georgia in this particular um, Riola thing where, I mean, even with Nico, like you could do the same for Nico at Tennessee, maybe a little bit less because he's literally already QB2 and he is going to be next in line no matter what, Um, so he's going to get a shot because it's a crowded quarterback room at UGA. And because you have a lot of talent uh, still very much in that room, um, the way to pitch it, it's like the reason I don't buy the Riddell Riola or really the Riola effect all that much is that like there's still, I'm not saying he won't be the guy, but there's enough that recruiters and sharp recruiters across the board can be like, why would you, it'd be stupid for you to commit to Riola because there's no way of you knowing like there's just too much too many variables that he'll be the guy who ends up being the one who throws you passes you need to pick the school you need to pick the coaches you need to pick the the likely the track record of getting guys to the league but if you are making your college decision based on a quarterback it's stupid because of the movement and because of how quickly things can change in that regard so if you're basing your decision on playing, catching balls from Dylan Ryle or Nico Yamaliava, you're making a mistake because it's just what we've seen in this sport across the board is it rarely goes that cleanly and that you, you should not pick a school for, for that. Being a oh, of fighter. course,
2: but it's like you're not supposed to pick a school because of the head coach or your position coach, but so many guys still do, right? Like it's, Well, I think that's a better a big...
1: choice than quarterback. I would pick a uh, But we've seen co-
2: position coaches just move like that, like year yeah. in and year out. So you, you just never know with that. But, I mean, I think it's just the broader, you know, what it says that the best quarterback, the best overall player in the entire class, which I imagine if you've seen him play, you know, in person – you're probably blown away by him as well, and you're like, I, I want to go where that guy goes. He's he can get me the rock or where whatever it is that the best player in the country views Georgia as the destination he wants to go. Hmm, maybe, maybe I should take a hard look at Georgia too. Is it that? Is it that legit? You know, should I go there too? So I, I think it's just you, with what the quarterback position it is. You know, it's just not the same as every other position. It can be that leadership, that kind of catalyst position, like. I mean I've just never heard of a of a recruit being on a visit and mm. driving driving 30 minutes getting a group of guys together driving 30 minutes to a high school and working out like I I've, I've never heard of something like that happening. So like it's it's crazy the the story about him driving out to Jefferson uh high school and hanging out with Sammy Brown cuz he couldn't make the visit to to Georgia. It's like you don't really hear stuff like that. So if this guy is also an active recruiter which every every uh Every prospect isn't. You know, some guys just focus on what's best for them and that's mm-hmm. all they really need to focus on. But some guys actually actively recruit and when you're the top ranked player in the country, I think your voice is uh is pretty loud with in another recruit's uh ears.
1: Yeah. I like the main thing is it doesn't hurt, but it's like Georgia's a leader in this space and Georgia like it's nice that Dylan Ryola is trying, but Georgia's gonna recruit itself. The brand, the history, what Kirby's doing, the NIL. Everything, the NFL track record, those are all uh, bigger factors at this point in keeping Georgia as the death star in the sport. I think, by and large, uh, what you Matt just don't Green-
2: want to admit the Ryola effect. Just keep uh, you're resisting, but it's I'm right. not resisting. You'll, you'll I'm around. just saying,
1: like, come I mean, you were gonna have a top. The top number one class, regardless of if you got Dylan Raiola, I like, think there
2: was a chance Georgia could sign the number one class, regardless of yeah. if they got Raiola or not. The state of Georgia is just ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. Like year. I just don't
1: think it moves. the But needle they're also that
2: recruiting. Much. I mean, in Missouri, you know, they're. In, I think they could sign multiple guys from, from Matter Day this year. It's like, you know, who wing, knows? Is Wingo
1: a Missouri kid? I think he is. Right, Wingo. Wingo.
2: No, that doesn't sound right. Where is, Illinois?
1: Maybe he's somewhere in the Midwest. Where's yeah, Ryan going He's...
2: Go? he's you get, St. Louis
1: University. Yeah, he's in St. Louis. Missouri. Yeah, he's oh, in okay. St. Louis. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I mean, get Brock Bowers out of California. Darnell Washington mm-hmm. from Las Vegas. You know, this other... The big time... Or this uh, big offensive lineman was from New York uh, earlier this week. So, Georgia's recruiting all over the place. So, there's a chance they'd sign the number one class without Raiola. But I, with Raiola, it could be the number one class, like, ever in the 24-7. According to that, like, whatever that ranking means, that cumulative score they give, it could, based on their, uh, on their data, it, it could be the number one class ever.
1: Yeah. We shall see, Matt Green. What is uh, stat number two for you?
2: The other stat is the number 100 because, sir, it is Thursday, May 25th. Uh, you are listening to this, and we are a hundred days till mm-hmm. college football season, sir. The countdown has begun, and so in honor of a hundred days, because nobody ever wore number one hundred, not that I'm aware of, at least. Yeah, um, no quarterback has ever actually passed for one hundred touchdowns either. I felt like that was that could be a go-to stat, you know, but. Mm-hmm. We had uh we had Drew Locke, Matt Leinert, uh, who is that? What does that say? Tim Tim Hiller from Western Michigan, uh. Chase Clement from Rice. All those guys had ninety nine career passing touchdowns. Uh, Chase Daniel had one hundred and one
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, career touchdowns. I know you're a big Chase Daniel guy. Um, Number
1: one, Mizzou. Who could forget Kansas Mizzou?
2: Absolutely. So what I decided Board to war. go with instead was the last time a team. Scored a hundred points in a game, sir. And do you do you think you could guess the last time a Division One team apparently? Georgia Rockford, Tech shamanad. Apparently, Rockford did to Trinity Bible back in 2003, 105 to zero. Um, Georgia Tech. I'm not seeing Georgia Tech on this list. You got another guess, sir?
1: Uh, Army.
2: That is uh, also incorrect. I'm going to just tell you. um give
1: me one more guess because i feel like it's a small school i feel like it's something out of the ordinary from years from decades and decades ago um it is
2: decades and decades
1: ago i'll say i'm gonna say michigan
2: that is also incorrect. I've seen Michigan State on here a couple Maybe times that's it, yeah. back in 1928, 1931. I know you remember those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, big time beat down over uh, over Kalamazoo that one year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the last time it happened in in division 1 football was Houston over Tulsa 1968. Huh. And uh, they almost did it again. I don't know if you remember the, uh, the Pony Excess 30 for 30 uh, SMU after they suspended the whole football program and everything and came back and were just terrible. Mm-hmm. Andre Ware in Houston. What was it like? I think I had it pulled up here. 95 to 21 Houston mm. beat SMU back in 1989. Just absolutely demolished them. So, hmm. yeah, that's what we got. 100 days till college football season, sir.
1: There you go. I like it. I like it. Um, Matt Green, a couple, Nigel the Nighthawk, a friend of the program, dropped off a couple news items uh, that we wanted to hit before we get into uh, our Big Ten over under discussion and also some SEC Week One lines that are now officially out. Uh, A couple uh, were surprising here. But speaking of the SEC, sir, uh, Georgia, Florida is sticking around in Jacksonville for at least the 2024 in 2025 season renovations the possibility in 2026 we'll see what happens with the jaguar stadium because that's still up for debate like it doesn't seem like a new stadium's happening for them um, anytime soon but i don't know i think it's interesting because it seemed like there was a lot of momentum and it seemed like kirby uh, especially and georgia wanted to get this to become a home and home uh, once again and maybe it's because he's been looking at these home schedules for the dogs in athens the last couple of years and it's like uh, we got to give these fan- throw these fans a bone at some point, because as someone who was in the stands for Tennessee, Florida, this past year, it is nice to have your rivals uh, come to your place every other year. It's nice to be for that to be a, uh, a home atmosphere that you get to alternate year over year. And we'll get into a program that is elected not to do that very thing um, this particular year, but we will save that for a second. Matt Green, as a Georgia fan and a cocktail out, world's largest outdoor cocktail party connoisseur is this something that you're in favor of? Do you feel good about this? Where where is your head at now with uh, the where this game is played?
2: First of all, can I get that on a business card? <laughs> because I would like to have world's largest outdoor cocktail party connoisseur maybe on my on my grave, you know, on mm-hmm. my headstone. Um, I like that, but I think you nailed it because. <clears throat> For one, first and foremost, I think every I would say ninety percent of Georgia's fan base feels if Kirby wants it, I want it too. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's like if Kirby thinks it's a good idea, yeah, let's do it. He's had some good ideas. I like this guy. We'll let it we'll follow him off a bridge, you know? <laughs> so that's part of it. I I personally I obviously I'm not a big neutral site college football fan. But these Oklahoma, Texas, and Georgia, Florida, like they're they're huge traditions in that. So it's like that 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 neutral site already has the college football atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I I do kind of just want to preserve the tradition of of uh, Jacksonville, even though I think it'd be cool mm-hmm. uh, to to go home and home. But I think you nailed it personally on why there's it seems to have picked up steam in recent years. Because Georgia's home schedule has been like so whack, honestly. Mm. Like this year, you look at it like, and I never really thought about it before because you look at Georgia ever since they did the, um, uh, they, they switched around the Auburn series back 2012 and 2013. Georgia played at Auburn consecutive years, and I guess the SEC kind of did Auburn a solid. But ever since then. Georgia plays Auburn, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech at the same venue every year. So, Mm. or both on the all at home or all on the road. You know what I mean? And so, since Florida is a neutral site, you have your four biggest rivals essentially every other year. None of those games are at home. So, Mm. like like, that's not great for you know just having a consistently good home schedule. Like this year, I think Ole Miss is probably uh, the best home game just kind of off the top of my head that's maybe like Kentucky
1: most, depending on how Kentucky looks yeah this and it's year. like
2: Georgia there's just never going to be a buzz around the Kentucky game like I was literally at a Georgia Kentucky game two years ago mm. that was college game day they were in the top 10 and it was like there's no like feeling that we could lose this game like mm. with Georgia Tennessee you're like you know we're better than Tennessee right like you, we're where you are better than them, right? Mm. That offense is really good, but we should be better, right? Like, you weren't sure if you really were better than Tennessee going into that game. There was a buzz around it. Like, Kentucky just doesn't really do anything for the Georgia fan base. Like, no mm. disrespect to Kentucky. It's just kind of it's a feeling. Like, they kind of have to earn it, like, make us scare us a couple times before. Like, even the Missouri game. Like, going at Missouri, Georgia's played a few tough games at Missouri that you go in and that's not... Not the, you don't have the easiest feeling in there. So I think part of it, like Arkansas turned out to be like, that was a really weak home schedule that year. Arkansas turned out to be a pretty good home game. And Tennessee turned out to be a good home game in 2022. But you've seen a lot of weak home schedules. But I I'm, I love that they kept it for 24-25 uh, in, in Jacksonville because – that was going to throw so many variables in there. So we have the new SEC schedule starting in 2024 and then people get it, Georgia, Florida in the swamp or in Athens and they're, Oh yeah, I love this. So mm. it would just, this, this whole season's been better. Like, Oh, and, and that's why, because it's on campus. But I think what you're going to see is that with this new SEC schedule, like let's be honest, there's a lot of SEC West hate that Georgia's gotten through the years that you know, some of those years that they're 11-1 and one is because the SEC East is so weak and they're, they'd be the third best team in the SEC West. I think there's some truth to that. You look at a year like 2019, LSU and Alabama were the two best teams in the SEC, but Georgia was playing in the SEC Championship. So there's been some truth to Georgia's schedule being a little weaker than some of those SEC West teams. So now with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the conference and just a, most likely a, nine, a ninth conference game and we assume they're going to get rid of these divisions Mm. I think Georgia's schedule is just all the SEC schedules I think are going to be immediately just more stacked and you're going to have more good home games and right now you're like searching for what Georgia's best home game is and I think in 24-25 they're going to have three or four that are just big time marquee SEC matchups and you're not really going to miss Florida being a home game and you're going to be able to preserve that that neutral site tradition.
1: Well, that's what I was uh, tweeting back and forth with Logan Booker, another friend of the show um, up there in Athens. And uh, I just think a sneaky big winner of the nine conference game model and the new rotation that's going to be implemented next year. I think the dogs are maybe the biggest winner here. And you talked about like the sec West bias, but like, just having that rotation where you can, like, this schedule, I think, and it's not, like, a shot at Georgia. It's, like, they can't really control some of this, and then, obviously, losing a big game this year against Oklahoma off the calendar was a brutal blow, too, for this uh, schedule as a yeah. whole, but it just, you can, two things can be true. The dogs don't have to brew themselves in the regular season. Like, that's not part of it. Like, no one's going to be, oh, this strength the schedule. I don't know about Georgia coming in, but... I look at it as a fan where it's like, if I was, this was Tennessee schedule, I would, and I was in the position that Georgia's in where it's like, these are the glory years. Like this is the best the program has ever been. Like this is the top of the top and you're going to have two straight years, maybe three straight years. You want to go back to 2021 of really subpar home games. Like there's a reason Notre Dame, Georgia was so big for so many fans and that home and home environment. And it's just, you want when things are going this well to have a reason to go to these games in stadium and see a lot of like the best you'll maybe you'll ever see as a fan in your lifetime and like have as many moments as possible many against as many big cool teams at home as possible because like even when the playoff expands Georgia's gonna be in that top group they're probably looking at a bye so it might be hard to see a situation where Georgia's hosting a first-round playoff series um in the next couple years because you know that place would be rocking and be a lot of fun for dog fans that they would like to do but georgia might be too good so they might miss those so i just think it's i think from a fan's perspective i don't think it's a stretch or a shot to be like if i was a fan who was spending a lot of money on season tickets and wanting to go to these games that like this schedule sucks and i don't think that I, i think moving on to this new schedule coming out in 2024 there's going to be a lot more enticing, appetizing games in this calendar. And I think it's going to be probably the best Georgia schedule for fans in a long time.
2: I, I definitely think so. <clears throat> and I think it's going to, it's going to make them miss that home game uh, yeah. less. But I mean, I'll say in terms of winners and losers, I think just everyone in the sec East, to be honest, is is more of a loser than everyone in the sec West. Like Arkansas mm. is probably the biggest winner of this whole thing of, maybe we don't have to play Alabama every single year. Like that mm-hmm. would be nice. Like they just, they, I think this is the second year in a row that they've had the, the number one ranked uh, strength of schedule in the country, mm-hmm. but yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I'm all and Yeah. Like you said, like this is the time we want to play whoever. Cause I think we can beat whoever at this mm-hmm. point, you know, we don't even need an easy schedule.
1: Right. And I think that's uh that's important because the, the season goes fast, man. And there aren't many opportunities. You only get six home games a year, sometimes less than that. So you want to make as many count as possible, especially when your team is on top of the college football landscape. Um, and even
2: last year, Oregon was one of the yeah. biggest regular season games, and that also wasn't a home game.
1: Yeah, and that place would have been rocking. And Clemson
2: the year before. So
1: That's true. Man, I didn't even think about that. Clemson and Oregon, back-to-back two top ten teams And at I want to say,
2: is that happening in 2024, maybe? Uh, I'd have to... Uh, Georgia Clemson and Mercedes Benz is going to be uh, on the schedule coming up soon. So I think Clemson home and home like a couple years after that, but then but. you
1: don't feel as bad about 2024. If the schedule is nine conference games and fun. And then if that one's a neutral side, who cares? And it's in the bin, so it's not far, but different kind of field. They've played in the bins so many times now. Um, speaking of indoor sta- NFL stadiums, Michigan state Penn state uh, has moving to prime time peacock um, on Friday night the week of Thanksgiving, Matt Green. So Michigan State fans will not be seeing their Spartans playing East Lansing in their final regular season game because Michigan State, Penn State has become kind of a bigger rivalry uh, the last couple years with Michigan and Ohio State already having that lockdown. They, they're they just like the sneaky, like, who's next, you know? Like, who's they're The those two teams have traditionally been fighting for that just tier 3 not, I shouldn't say fighting from trying to get away from that tier two to tier one in the big 10 for the last decade or so. And they're always recruiting. Well, they're always right. there, pretty solid. You can count on year over year, but never breaking through every year. They're not the Michigan Ohio state. They're not going to be at the top, uh, with that kind of sustaining, uh, power, that sustainability, but man, I, I just, you move it indoors and it looks like it might just be because weather getting ahead of that, um, during that time, but man, what are we doing? Like, why is this happening? Why are you flexing this game outside of uh, the home confines of Michigan State? And especially, like, if you're a Big Ten country, you should embrace these elements. It's what makes it different. It makes it better is that, like, this is going to be cold. It might snow. It might be a lot of fun. Like, I just – it just sucks. Like, you see that, and you're like, man, especially if you're a fan, you're like, you just lost a home game, and that would be your final one of the year. And it's not even just, like, you're losing – a no-namer who cares like i don't think georgia fans would be losing a whole lot of sleep by losing tech at, at if you move it to the bins i don't think that's really something that's going to move the needle that much you're like yeah i'd rather play it at georgia but like uh, it's it's whatever michigan state penn state might be a humongous game this fall and it might be really nice to have a your home atmosphere i wouldn't
2: rule out georgia georgia tech being in the bins for one of georgia mm. tech's games they're like you know what well, we might as well make as much money as we can. We're not going to win this game, so mm. <laughs> let's just well, I don't give think as many they're going to make that much money. It's going to be all red
1: and black, even if they try and do a home game at Tech. I think it's going to be. I'm
2: saying if they if they put their home game because that's what they're doing right with Notre Dame or something. They're playing. Oh. It's one of their home games in the bins. Like <laughs> that's dumb. I think they so they get some portion of the revenue you there's gonna be
1: more notre dame fans in that building than georgia they're fans. just
2: like ah screw it or are, are they doing that with maybe clemson too or something i could be wrong um, but yeah they're just like screw it just get as many people in here as possible uh we'll, we'll take the money
1: lame uh what do you what are your thoughts on this move
2: Yeah, I'm with you, man. I just don't, I don't get it. Like uh, in terms of what you were saying about like where these programs have been, I've never really thought about that because Penn State is just a stronger brand. But like Michigan State has made the playoff. Like they, Mm -hmm. they've won the conference. They, they they, honestly, even in like the early 2000s, like they've just been a consistently good program. And Penn State kind of went through their down years near the end of Paterno, and then obviously after all the scandal and all that stuff. So they kind of have been at that level but it feels like Penn State's in a way better position right now. Um the my biggest thing it's, like it's it feels hypocritical after you know talking about Georgia Florida should be in a neutral site but it's like that's the tradition is it's at the neutral site, right? Mm. Is the Lions always have a home playoff game on Thanksgiving, right? So this is going to be Black Friday the the very next day, like I know yeah. it's indoor artificial turf or whatever, but that seems like a logistical nightmare on top of mm. all of it. like I don't know, you're gonna have lion stuff on the field. It's just gonna look like you're a high school team. I don't know Are they gonna get that that field turned over overnight and it have Penn State, Michigan State logos on it and all that. I don't
1: know. it just it's one thing even not out at it like a Clemson, Georgia, where they're not in the same conference. Like, it's one thing to do those, like Florida State LSU this fall. It's another thing to now move conference games into neutral site venues. Like, at that point, we just, it it's just so stupid. It's like, I don't get upset, I don't think any NFL fans should get upset. It's like, all, more and more games in Europe, and like, that's, it seems like the reason you go to 17 games is like, if folks lose a home game, it's because they're getting one European game a year, like in Germany, the Falcons, we in Germany, multiple London games for the Jags. There's not really a home strong atmosphere in most NFL stadiums. It's not like there's this, man, it it doesn't really matter where those games are played, by no, and large. They just Sundays. feel
2: like dull, like corporate entities. Yeah. I don't know what it is about NFL stadiums. That's why it's I don't like, get loose sleep some, over it. It just so some doesn't these matter. Are state-of-the-art facilities and all that, but it's like there's very few Lambeau Fields and like a- Arrowhead, Arrowhead Stadium. You know, it's like... College stadiums just have like a personality about yeah. them. The the crowds are just are just louder. They're they're more. I don't know. The home field advantage just seems to play a bigger role. Uh, but yeah. you know, it's it it's it feels hypocritical for sure because I see A and M in Arkansas playing in Jerry World, and I mm. feel like I don't hate that. Yeah. So I don't know, but I see Michigan State, Penn State, and it's like. I don't know. Aren't you guys supposed to be tough, like in the Big mm-hmm. Ten, and like flex on these cold weather games? You guys are going indoors for the season finale. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. Like it no. just. I don't know. And then Penn State's obviously like they're not giving up a home game. So Michigan State's just going to give up a home game this yes. year to just host in Detroit, then back to Happy Valley, like. Does Michigan State not feel like they have a good home, good enough home field advantage? They they get some sort of advantage on being in Detroit. Like, is this is this a little rock like for Arkansas? Like a home away from home?
1: Like we don't know about that. I do not know, but I mean, we'll see. This is just becoming the norm. It's like I feel like I'm just old man yells at clouds because I just feel like this is going to be more and more just a thing that happens that I don't like. Yeah, um, but
2: I agree with you. Like it, Clemson, Georgia, and like. LSU, Florida State, like, for some reason, those feel a little more acceptable since they're not conference games. Yeah. But yeah, I just – I saw Michigan State and Penn State. I just – I didn't like it. I didn't like it one bit.
1: SEC Week 1 over-unders are out, Matt Green. It's never too early to start predicting games in this program. You know this. Only 100 and, days out. I mean, we're not that far. It's uh, – summer practice will be here before you know it, sir. Um Vanderbilt Hawaii open in week zero. Vanderbilt an eighteen and a half point favorite, and then we get into week one. Sir, Florida nine and a half point dogs at Utah. Colorado, or the biggest one that surprised me here. South Carolina one and a half point dogs against North Carolina in a neutral site game against the heels in Charlotte. Is
2: that the Duke's Mayo Classic. A yeah. and M
1: thirty seven and a half against New Mexico. Alabama thirty seven. Uh, against middle tennessee I gotta jump on that new mexico i mean
2: i like bobby petrino but a&m did did they score 37 points in a game last year
1: that's a good point that might be a, a tasty one to jump on right now just saying 37 apps a half is a lot to bet on it. the aggies to cover there um bama 30 minus 37 against middle tennessee i'd probably take that one with 37 for bama uh tennessee kind of wild to see it kind of jarring 27 point favorites against an ACC school in Virginia in Nashville. Um, That felt a little high, but also. uh,
2: That's an interesting one. So, is this an indictment on Virginia more than anything? Like, are you thinking Virginia is going to be terrible?
1: I think it's just more Virginia's offense was god awful last year. And if their offense is even slightly subpar, you're going to get boat raced by the balls in a hurry. Like, it could get ugly. I can see it.
2: Yeah, I could definitely see them scoring. Up twenty-seven at halftime.
1: Yeah, um, Kentucky tw- minus twenty-six against Ball State. Auburn thirty-nine and a half point favorites over Don Brown's UMass Minutemen. And I'm then also, this one,
2: I'm also jumping on Ball State. By the way, Ooh. Kentucky they they mess around in these games. Yeah, Northern like, Illinois these, last year. I feel like they played yeah play with their food. they they win these games twenty-three to ten. <laughs> like yeah, I don't. I'm not not liking Kentucky to beat anybody
1: that too particularly big. There also, what are they?
2: Out losing Will Levis? They got Devin Leary?
1: You know, who, who knows? Uh, but their guy, the savior, the OC, Liam Cohen, is back from his one-year this stand with true. the Rams. Um, they are pretty darn good two years ago with him. Uh, final one, LSU two-point favorites over Florida State, which I thought was interesting um, in the neutral site game. But it's not New Orleans this year. Isn't it in, like, Orlando or something? I think they moved it to Florida.
2: It's definitely in Florida. Is it in Orlando? Is it or, at the Buck uh, Stadium?
1: maybe i don't know i I thought it was in orlando for some reason camping world whatever um but either way matt green which of those lines stood out the most to you which do you think is the most interesting
2: um you are correct that is at camping world stadium um i was a little surprised to see uh to see LSU, I guess I guess I'm not surprised to the LSU favored because I think LSU is going to be better than Florida State this year. But I don't know. Are we anticipating some sort of home field advantage for Florida State in Orlando, or is this a 50 50 split? Like LSU is obviously a, a big time fan base; it's going to travel. I guess I was surprised to see Florida as a nine and a half point fi- mm. uh, dog at Utah. I know it's on on the road uh thursday night you know week weekday road game not a good uh recipe for sure especially traveling across the country for like the first time for regular season game in like 40 years or something like that i think uh for florida but it also has a vibe to me like the uh oh georgia notre dame from uh a couple years back going on the road like Year two of Billy Napier, like maybe they're a completely new team coming out second year, like it's a chance to to rally the troops to start the season, like because there is something I think too starting off with such a huge game, like it can just motivate you the entire off season. It's just like it adds to the sense of urgency, and I don't know. I I know I know Billy Napier in Florida. It's it's not looking great right now, but I think I'm. I think I, I'm buying the year two stuff more than anything. I'm just hmm. a big year two head coach. You just see a lot of boosts. We saw what Heupel did year two at Tennessee last year.
1: That's fair. I I think LSU like my preseason uh, national title game pick is Ohio State LSU. So um, I, I I'm leaning LSU winning that, but I could uh, you could sell me on. Uh, the Buckeyes too, but I'm, I'm leaning LSU Ohio state to as my preseason pick and LSU won the national title. So, uh, I would not be surprised if they went it here, but also I think if you told me that Florida state was one of the four best teams in college football this year, I wouldn't bat an eye. Like Jared is gonna be in this game. We'll see how he, uh, handles things. I mean, he looks like he's gonna be a top five, top seven pick next year's draft. He was a big return Florida state, obviously cleaned up in the portal. Jordan Travis, um, I mean, what more can he say other than he should be a Heisman finalist going into next year? Um, he's poised for a gigantic year at Florida State. I think it, they're rightfully the expectations are high. Benson in the backfield, they're they're loaded on both sides of the ball, and they beat this LSU team last year uh, ahead of schedule a little bit, and there was a big talent differential on both sides. Harold Perkins, can he can he dominate this game and kind of take over and limit Jordan Travis? I think it's going to be. Fascinating. I do think this will be a close game and like that two point spread, more of a toss up. But I think it's it's interesting to see LSU favored out of the gate here. But that's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal opening week game. And I don't think it's going to be a uh, the same kind of game we saw last year, where it was just more of like a who wants to embarrass themselves more um, as we get things started. If you recall how that game ended and just how bizarre that game was as a whole. Which game? I like- the LSU Florida state game last oh, year Oh yeah, and how nobody wanted to win that. Game. No, no, I don't think that will be the case this year because I think both um, are in good shape and well-positioned to qualify for the playoff. Um, I, just, this I think year.
2: Florida state's one of the more interesting teams in all mm. of college football going into 2023. Cause like, do we know they're good? Like they're yeah. going to be like preseason top five, six, seven. Like mm. they're going to be up there, but like, are we basing that off of the the six game winning streak they closed the season on when they beat Georgia Tech bad, Miami mm. bad, Syracuse bad, Louisiana bad, Florida bad, Oklahoma bad? Like they beat six bad teams to end the season, but there's getting of over brands. the Florida
1: hump was huge. Even I think that's still, true, yeah. and I
2: think Jordan Travis looks good, and I think yeah. Jordan Travis gives you confidence in the quarterback, especially when so many of the big-time teams from a year ago are replacing their quarterback. It feels like he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football, but I think there's a chance that they're just not that much better than they were a year ago, and we just see some of the same old same old Florida State that not same old Florida State, but the, the recent history we've, we've
1: seen from Florida State. That's fair. Um I that's why like they play these games and I wanna see what it looks like on the field. Florida well, nine one and a half. I would I would hit the over on on that one. I think uh, Utah is gonna beat them by more than that. I, oh, you I, think so? Utah also, is gonna be good again.
2: I'm guessing North Carolina, just with Drake May, like they're yeah. gonna be top t- top fifteen preseason, I bet you. They're gonna be like the twelfth, 13th. I don't think so. I, I think they would be they finish- borderline ranked. What they finish last year, like they were, they, they were flirting with the six? They were like flirting with the top ten going into the ACC championship, right? Like they were like uh, two lost. 20, they on. may have lost their last regular season. They lost like multiple games. They may have lost like the last three games of the season or something like that. But they were flirting with the top ten.
1: Okay, it was a little bit better than I thought it was. They ended the year on a, on a four-game losing streak. Okay, you know what's wild? They were six and zero on the road and three and three at home. Nine and five overall. Yeah. So
2: what 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 did they get up to? Were they ever top 10? Can you see that,
1: that? I I can't see. But they lost at home to Georgia Tech, uh lost in overtime to NC State, lost to Clemson, uh, in the ACC title game and lost to Oregon uh late on that terrible turf situation in San Diego. I remember. Um they should have lost to App State uh, in Boone. Yeah. So the highest 61. the highest they, almost they were ranked lost to Georgia year. State, 35-28.
2: Oh yeah, man! They were having some great Sun belt, some classic <laughs> sunbelt games last year. Like, they just were they, not a very good team. But they got up to thirteen last year. Okay. And They have Drake May. Like Drake May is just maybe the best player in all of college football. Like that right there. I'm, I'm, I would almost guarantee they're going to be preseason top fifteen. I'm, I've been like number thirteen, fourteen. And South Carolina, I, I would, I would bet is not ranked. Right? South Carolina. No, I think they'll be, be ranked. ranked. I don't know what you would base that off of. Like, I don't think South Carolina, like from what they lost a year ago, and they would just—I mean, they beat Tennessee and Clemson. Like, if, if you're going to base their entire season off Tennessee and Clemson, then yeah, they're top 25. But they played a lot more games than that, so I don't know. I don't see South Carolina as a preseason ranked team, so I'm kind of surprised to see that as just a one and a half point line. Because I think I think Vegas might see that differently than like the AP poll sees it,
1: maybe DraftKings. Um, Matt Green, do you want to do our Big Ten over unders here?
2: Yeah, man, let's do it.
1: We're not gonna get into every single team here, um, because some of these lines are not as interesting as other. But I'll run through these real quick at the top here for what uh DraftKings has here. Uh, by and large, for every single team, Illinois six and a half, Indiana three and a half. Oof, old friend Taven Jackson, you transferred. Uh, not looking good. Uh, Iowa, seven and a half. Death, Texas, Iowa, make it a ball game. Maryland, seven. Michigan, ten and a half. Michigan State, all the way down there at five and a half. Um, Minnesota, six and a half. Nebraska, six. Hate that. Solid line. Um, Three and a half for Northwestern. Ohio State, ten and a half. Penn State, nine and a half. Purdue, five and a half. Rutgers, four and a half. Wisconsin, nine. Can I... Can I leave here? I think they're the one of the teams I want to touch on. Wisconsin nine kind of surprised me. Like I understand Wisconsin as a whole over the last, uh, you know, decade plus they've been serious national title contenders. They've had this strong identity. They've just been a well-oiled machine, whether it's Brett Bielema, Paul, Chris, whoever like they're they had an identity and they ran the ball really well. They put guys in the NFL, their guys in the NFL. They had their blips with Russell Wilson and company, but without elite quarterback play, they were able to make it all work. Obviously been in the Big Ten title game. Been right there um, in a lot of big games over the years. Just a perennial top ten-ish program. Last year, things really go off the edge. The Grand merch experience never got off the ground uh, over the last two years. That being said, nine is high. Like I'm a big Luke Fickle guy. It was a weird hire this offseason that he brought in, um, speaking of North Carolina, North Carolina's offensive coordinator. And very, very different style than what we've ever seen, um, in Madison, Wisconsin. I think nine is just asking a lot for fickle in year one here, transforming this whole thing. And like Braylon Allen's a really good running back. And I think he'll be fine uh, with this transition, but because I mean, North Carolina has been able to run the ball with, uh, what Phil Lambeau and look, it's, it's Wisconsin. They have a lot of talent um but i don't know man i th- I saw this and i was like nine is just high for wisconsin out of the gate i think if you're a wisconsin fan you should be looking at eight and four is probably our target like if we get to eight and four we're feeling pretty good out of the gate here with fickle but that offense whole new staff whole new era tough conference tough schedule i don't know i saw that nine and i was just pretty baffled by it do you do you share that sentiment
2: yeah, other than the fact that I just I don't feel like Wisconsin's like a big rebuild. Like Wisconsin, like they weren't good last year, but they it, they got off to a bad start. By the end of it, like they pretty much were the best team in the in the Big Ten West. Like Longo,
1: by the way, I, I said Lambeau. I didn't feel right. Longo, yeah.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I they didn't they didn't obviously make the Big Ten championship, but it felt like they were still competitive. Like. And like you said, I'm just I'm a big um, Luke Fickle guy, so I think he's going to turn them around quick. So I was a little surprised. to See nine, I, I hate the the whole number, and we can't get mm. that hook. But um, nine just feels feels like Wisconsin. Like nine and three feels like exactly what they're going to do. So I uh, I can't necessarily hate on the line. I was a little surprised to see them that high in year one, but I, I do feel like that's just kind of what Luke Fickle in Wisconsin will become because he just fits what Wisconsin is that they're just, they're one of the programs that have just through the last 20 years or so, they have like the highest floor there is, right? Like this team is never bad. Mm. They're always pretty good winning nine, 10 games. And in their good years when they, you know, have some excellent quarterback play like a Russell Wilson, uh, they can win the big 10. So it's been, it's been a while since they had a big 10 champion, but I think Luke Fickle can get can get him back there. I um I think Ohio State at ten and a half. Oh, well, can I say one last thing?
1: Tanner Morhike yeah, go is going to be under center here for uh, Wisconsin. The who had an electric gear at SMU this past year, like he could be a Heisman candidate for them. Like he could be really good or he could completely flame out. I just think there's so much more volatility in this kind of drastic change year over year because he didn't do. The Dion 70 Kids in the Portal. <laughs> We're getting our own dudes in here. We're overhauling this night and day. Like That's
2: because nobody's ever yeah. done that.
1: <laughs> I just. You have a lot of personnel that played a very different style. And I mean, Hypo did a little bit at Tennessee because Jeremy Pruitt and Jim Cheney's offense was nothing like what Hypo was running uh, in year one. A lot of those dudes had to make some serious, serious uh, changes to their game when they came aboard. I just. I don't know. I think it's gonna be fascinating. Like they have to go to Washington State. They lost there at home this past year. At Purdue, Iowa at home's always tough. Um, at Illinois, I don't think will be easy. Ohio State at home's probably a loss. Um, you get Nebraska at home. We'll see what they look like and at Minnesota at the end of the year. That will be a tough one too. I just I think eight and four feels about right for them year one. But if they get to nine and three, ten and two, um, for them to hit that over. You're asking for ten wins and I just I don't see that right out of the gate here. And I don't think that's fair for this group. I
2: mean, a part of it's that you just know what Wisconsin's gonna be. Like they still yeah. have Braylon Allen, like they just they Wisconsin always runs
1: the ball well.
2: Mm. So if you got a quarterback that can actually extend the defense, like
1: they could be really dangerous next year. For sure. So you had Ohio State. This is surprising. That's like my just layup. Ohio State 10 and a half. Like, smash that over right out of the gate.
2: Oh, that's what I'm saying. Okay. I, I think just – I think like it's just an overreaction to lose in, I guess, C.J. Stroud. But, like, until Ohio State doesn't replace a quarterback, I'm just going to assume the next <laughs> guy is just going to ball out. because Yeah, that's what they do probably going to be good. I'm not really worried about that. what they it. do every single year. So, I I don't even know. you got to go back to at least before, before Urban Meyer was there, right? Like, is, your Urban Meyer had Braxton Miller, like, year one, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So – I mean, you had Terrell Pryor, but before, before that, I don't know if there was ever a drop-off at the quarterback position. Um, who was after? Maybe, uh, maybe you got to go back to Todd Beckman. I don't know. Justin Zwick? Yeah, maybe. Was Zwick, was he before Troy Smith? That's that's a yeah. real, that's going way back there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Ohio State just going to replace the quarterback position basically every year. You know they're going to have ridiculous weapons on the outside. I, I mean, they might have are... two
1: top 10 picks in at wide receiver. Like, exactly. And I think mm-hmm.
2: Travion Henderson was hurt last year mm-hmm. and I think people have kind of forgot how good that guy was as a freshman. Like Ohio State's just loaded with with NFL NFL players. Uh they're probably going to have the most first round picks in next year's draft, like I think that's an easy ten and a half because Ohio state's bad seasons. They go 11 and one and they miss the conference championship. Like they so. go to Notre
1: Dame though this year. So that should be interesting. For I, think sure. Notre Dame Penn be state
2: I think is going to be very good this year also, but you so. know, it's nice.
1: You get Penn state at home and you get Michigan state at home. Like I, you obviously have to go to Michigan and the big house and you've lost two straight there, but, but they got go to go to Michigan state too, and Penn right? state and they do have to go to Wisconsin. So they have a stretch here where, like this is a little bit interesting. So from October fourteenth to November eleventh, they have at Purdue, where they've had a house of horrors in uh, previous <laughs> years, as you know. So that's no cakewalk. Penn stayed at home the following week at Wisconsin the following week, then at Rutgers, and then at, or you host Michigan State. I think you could stumble there, and then if you stumble in one of those games. Then you have at the big house, and you haven't won in two years. And then suddenly you're ten and two, and you hit the under. Is Michigan State gonna be any good? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I they're don't a huge. Know. Peyton Thorne's not even there anymore. Keon Coleman's at Florida State. Who we also should have mentioned that. Just another dude yeah, at Florida probably State. Yeah, that's
2: the biggest transfer uh, news for sure. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure Michigan State what they're really gonna be, but yeah, Ohio State's definitely got a tougher schedule than I would say most years with that Notre Dame and at Wisconsin. Um, but then looking at it again, I think, you know, it's going to be the most fun storyline of the entire season mm. is so you got Iowa at seven and a half, mm. this 25 points per game thing at mm. Iowa, like every garbage time <laughs> touchdown they score this season, people are going to be like, that's Kirk Ferris. Just getting his son, uh, getting his son paid, getting to that 25 points per game. Mm-hmm. They're going to go out there and drop 50 on, who do they play? South Western Dakota state Michigan at home. Yeah. They're, uh, they're going to drop, they're going to try to run up the score on some of those early non conference games.
1: I mean, they've got an interesting schedule too. You got to go to Penn state. You get, uh, at Michigan state at home. You got to go to Iowa state for the Cy-Hawk trophy, um, at Wisconsin, always, uh, tough. You get Illinois, uh, a lot of home games late, but then at Nebraska to end, which has turned into a fun rivalry too. um, yeah, I don't know. This does feel just like an needs to be. Time. Yeah,
2: Nebraska, Iowa just needs to be a rivalry. Like yeah. it just, it, it only makes sense,
1: right? The corn rivalry, like it's it's corn time,
2: it's something like that. Like like it's kind of weird on like a national scale. You're like Georgia, Alabama, yeah, two two southern states right next to each other. It's obviously a rivalry, but it's not like that traditional rivalry. It's mm. like that's Iowa, Nebraska. It's just a, it only makes sense. Let's just. Just hate each other. Let me, let's make this a rivalry. We need to come. They need to come with a trophy, some sort of corn trophy, Minnesota and, uh, and Wisconsin style. What do they have? Wait, Minnesota, Wisconsin. What do they have? Is that Paul Bunyan's axe? Is that yes. what I'm? Yes. I'm blanking on Wisconsin, that. Wisconsin. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's the
1: axe. They're in the axe. And
2: they got the little brown
1: jug yeah. up there, Minnesota
2: yeah. and Michigan. But yeah, so some sort of corn <laughs> corn trophy. You need to make it happen.
1: I'll say. One that I think we also
2: don't include Illinois when we're talking about any of these. Like Illinois mm. was like basically the best team in the Big Ten West for like most of the season last year.
1: Yeah, they lost a lot. I don't know. I and they lost in DC. I did. I'm just. I, I would sell uh, any stock there. Five and, and a I half didn't though even for know. Michigan State, man. Like that tells me you're paying a lot of money for Mel Tucker to be open at a five and a half point line and then the embarrassment yeah. of losing Keon Coleman and Peyton Thorne to the portal this late in the cycle and you can't really replace them is he on the hot, like if he goes under and they're five and seven and they miss a bowl game again like, is there firing potential? Like, you're Michigan State like, they,
2: you're they feel they I feel like know. they're more in that position start to cut you off, than, than Jimbo Fisher, people talk about like, oh you can't fire, him. you're just paying so much money mm. like I feel like Texas a ms like no, we'll find the money.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We're not gonna we're not gonna deal with this for much longer. Mel Tucker. It feels like Michigan State's really in that position of like no, we're paying this guy way too much money. We got He's got at least like three or four more years. Like we can't mm-hmm. afford to fire this man. Like I, and I don't know. Honestly, I with what with the, with the portal and NIL and all this stuff. Like I mean, this is probably a, a big criticism on on mel tucker because year one he went so heavy in the portal and Mm. maybe this is the downside of trying to build from the portal from day one like and not focusing on the recruiting because i think that's kind of a conscious decision that it kind of appears like a billy napier has made Mm. that like i'm not just going to get portal guys we need to start we need to build a foundation here to maybe not be in a position like someone like mel tucker is like it was good to it was good financially get to have a big 11 win season and and did they go eleven and two, I want to say that year? Yeah, um in so. year two, year one, year two. Mm. And so, you know, it got him paid, but the cupboard seems a little bare at Michigan State. It's one thing to go five and seven, six and six in year four, is it? Mm. It's another thing to be predicted to go six and six in year four. Like, that's the expectation nationally, yeah. is that Michigan State is gonna be super average if not bad and that's that's pretty bad if you have a top five highest paid coach in the sport
1: i'm looking at their schedule central michigan and Richmond at home is a just a nice thing for michigan state they get u-dub at home that's gonna be rocking i love u-dub at michigan state here early that's probably a loss michael pennix and company are coming in there uh, i think they're probably gonna beat them maryland at home is suddenly extremely important at iowa at Rutgers you should probably clean up there if you get if you go five and one to start then you're cooking with gas because you're at Minnesota it's gonna be tough Michigan at home you know how that's probably gonna go Nebraska at home we'll see at Ohio State it's rough at Indiana that doesn't matter and you get Penn State at well I guess Penn State in a neutral site now um, to close but that does seem like the over uh, when I'm looking at the schedule I feel like they should go bowling and I think you look at five and seven again and with that portal departure and what this offseason has been like i don't know i think he's gonna have to make at least serious staff changes and some overhauls here because a lot of money is involved and the results just haven't been there and we'll see what happens with penn state too i think that's part of it so if penn state and wisconsin really break out if nebraska gets hits the ground running with matt rule then suddenly it's like uh uh-oh Michigan State's really, really falling behind the rest of the pack here with USC and UCLA coming into the fold next year who are both programs who are better than you at this present moment. So, I don't know. Michigan State's in a very precarious time as a football program.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. And so, all these teams can't go over, right? So, yeah. of of those top four right there, you got Ohio State, Michigan at 10.5, mm. Penn State 9.5, Wisconsin at 9. Who's the most likely to go under?
1: Uh, Most likely, I would say Wisconsin, Um, and then most likely to go over, I would say Michigan.
2: I don't know. I I thought about Penn State. I'm kind of leaning towards Michigan being the most likely to go under. Like I know you got JJ McCarthy, Blake Quarum's back starter, but like I don't think Michigan was that much better than. Ohio State last year than the scoreboard indicated. Like they, I mean, have they, you seen
1: the schedule though? They opened their first four games are against East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green. Records at home. Like you got to go to Minnesota, Nebraska, but you get Indiana at home, you get Purdue at home, at Maryland. Like it's it's very easy to see eleven and one on this calendar. You don't have to squint hard at all to see eleven but wins. You
2: obviously, have Ohio State and Penn State, and so that's. Those I are just the biggest see games. Splitting right worst there. case
1: scenario. And if you split them, you're looking at eleven and one.
2: I just think more and more I'm leaning towards Penn State being, you know, kind of breaking through and potentially mm. if not winning the Big Ten, you know, being that second place team potentially this year. I just think a lot is lining up for them in twenty twenty three and the fact that Michigan is at Penn State. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Michigan and also Penn State at nine and a half. I just feel amazing about that at nine and a half. Like yeah. ten and two feels like kind of the floor for Penn State. So I'm definitely going over on Penn State, but mm. Michigan at 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 ten and a half. It's that they're not bad if they go ten and two. You know, it's it's a good team. Um, but I don't know. I'm they hey they could prove me wrong and, and do it for a third straight year. But I don't know. Something about Michigan. I'm not I'm not sold on him coming into 2023. Interesting. I think they're... J.J. A- McCarthy, I, I think he has to get a lot better. And he, he could. It was a first-year starter. But I don't know. He was a... Uh, I feel like J.J. McCarthy was what people pretended Stetson Bennett was. Like, he actually was that kind of limited game manager that could make some plays with it. Like, he was... M- pretty athletic like i feel like stetson actually was like a legit dual threat that made plays with his legs and actually threw the ball down the field like i just i don't know jj mccarthy i need to see more from him in uh in 2023 and he you know he he definitely could i know we saw the jump stetson made from year one to year two as a starter but i think uh before i'm putting michigan at
1: the top of the big 10 mccarthy's got to improve for me I just want to see if Ohio state has the balls to fire Ryan day. If they're like uh, 11 and 0 going into Michigan and Michigan's also 11 and 0 and Michigan beats them again. Like what, like the fan base is just, you lose three straight to Michigan, like just really unheard of in this robbery. And like, (laughs) it doesn't matter that you almost beat Georgia last year and everything else like i just they basically did beat georgia <laughs> did you, did you see that mm. uh, message board post mm. yeah um
2: no you're right it's just i think penn state might actually play a big role there that if mm. if penn state actually is top 5 top 6 cuz that's the that's the biggest thing i think it's like an old expression like people don't remember like the things you do throughout your life but they remember mm. the way you the way you made them feel kind of thing mm-hmm if you beat a big-time top-five opponent like Penn State and you just kind of have that that feeling that we beat a big-time team, like you have a big-time win on your schedule, it's those years where you, as Ohio State, you have a one-game schedule, basically. You're like, we circle this one game the year this year and we lose it. Well, this season feels like a failure then.
1: So, mm-hmm.
2: you know, if Penn State actually is that big-time national ranked opponent and the top five or whatever and you, you have that win – It's obviously going to be awful to lose to Michigan. They care more about that than anything else. But, like, let's not go crazy here. Like, especially with the playoff expanding to 12, it's like Ohio State, you're almost guaranteed to be in it every year. Like, it would just be so wild to me if they actually fired him. I wonder if before they fire him, if it would be like a Ryan Day takes an NFL job because, like, the the pressure from the fan base is, like, too much or something like that. Because I mean that's honestly why Steve Spurrier went to the NFL. It was like the the, the ten and two seasons weren't really good enough for for Florida fans. Like in it, there's a lot of those ten and two years for Florida in the in the late '90s and uh, early 2000s. Like the last like four or five years of Spurrier. Yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: Well, that was fun, fun exercise, Matt Green. That' uh, gonna be interesting in the Big Ten, the top of the Big Ten. A lot of storylines going on here. Uh, a lot of. Uh, a lot of teams that are pretty close here, uh, by and large. And we'll see just how it all unfolds. we still got a couple months to go before things kick off here. But uh, 100 days where the college ball season will be here before you know it.
2: One last thing about yeah. Illinois. Um, I call me dumb, um, but I had no idea that Chase Brown and Sidney Brown were uh, were twin brothers. I didn't know that the either. the NFL draft. I had... Hmm. I, I had no idea. So they lost, obviously, both of those guys. Yeah. It's going to be tough to uh, to follow up on. It's kind of interesting because I remember hearing Kirby Smart say through the years that a lot of running backs that didn't play like later on like kind of wish they had played defensive back. Mm. So he he sees like a lot of like the same traits and running backs and corners. I don't know if you remember Cavassier, what was that his name? Lavassier Carroll. A couple years mm. ago, he went to South Carolina. I think he actually uh, like retired from football, but. Mm. He moved from, from corner to from running back to corner, kind of back and forth. And and so now you see two identical twins that play running back and cornerback. Like they basically have the same traits. And we obviously saw two Hall of Famers, Tiki Barber and Ronde Barber. Is Tiki Barber a Hall of Famer? Maybe uh, no. not. Ronde Barber's a Hall of Famer though, but yes. yeah, identical twins playing running back and corner.
1: So maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Matt Green, that is all I've got, my friend. But thank you, as always, a, a night removed uh, from our normal time slot here on uh, the Chase Thomas Podcast Network, CTPN, man, uh, all these different shows each and every day here on uh, on the pod. But uh, appreciate you making it happen on one day late. But usually, folks, it's up every Wednesday morning, first thing. And check us out on YouTube and all that good stuff. YouTube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe. All that good stuff as we i probably hit a thousand subs um over the weekend so uh building that thing up more and more each and every day so we appreciate the support and if you're watching on youtube right now we appreciate it and all that good stuff matt green thank you as always my friend and i will talk to you next week yes sir